1: Montana's only daily sports talk show. Now is now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television.
2: I like football! Well, hello. Welcome in. nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app, although it looks like we are not on SWX as of this exact moment. Big Sky Conference basketball underway, so uh, that is probably a part of it. I'm Coulter nuanas coming to you through the ESPN MT studio here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here on your Thursday. It is another big night of Big Sky Conference basketball, so we'll get to... Uh, all of our thoughts about the upcoming games. Lady Grizz back in town in Missoula here for the first time in a long time. They've only had uh, one home game in the last like six weeks. And so I think they've only had two home games in like the last seven weeks. So it's been a really long time. I've only seen the Lady Grizz one time live and in person this year because uh, they had so much crossover when we were on the road for football. So a fun night of Big Sky Hoops coming up here uh, in Missoula. We'll also take a look at what's going to go on uh, over the hill in Bozeman. Take a look at some of the men's games as well. We're also going to talk some NFL. Got our best betting lines for the week. We got our first Treasure State Stars of 2023. And we got our guy Keaton Kologly, who uh, will help put into perspective some of the stuff that's been going on at Montana State as well. He's the voice of the Montana State Bobcats. But first, we start off with the unorthodox, because usually this is a Tuesday segment, but instead we're doing it here on a Thursday because we were all jammed up from the beginning of the week. It's the business angle with Justin Angle. Justin Angle in studio. What's up, man? Not much. I'm just... looking at the camera out of habit and it's not even on. I don't even know what I'm doing that for. Uh,
3: look at me. Yeah, it's I great know, for you. right? Here we go. We're gonna. <laughs> I'm, I'm just a... gonna take a seat. Nobody even cares. Yeah, I have a face for radio, so I'm ready for <laughs> it's
2: you. great, man. How you doing? I'm doing. Happy well. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. It's been a while. So Justin is a business professor at the University of Montana, also a podcaster and uh, contributing guest on this. Here radio show and a couple times a month we sit down to talk about the overlay between uh, business and sports. First of all, how's your break? I mean, I guess it's not really a break because you've been off teaching this uh, this last. I fall, am so. on
3: sabbatical. It feels like break kind of started this week. Okay, uh, as you know, I'm working on a book with uh, my collaborator Nick Mott about wildfire, and we just submitted the manuscript to the publisher. Congratulations! A week ago. cool. Um, so yeah, that feels like a big. Uh, I mean, we're in that period now where we don't know what the, the next steps are as far as editing and so forth goes. But um, initial reports are that they're pretty happy with it. So I think it's going to be smooth. Sweet,
2: man. Well, congratulations. That yeah, must be you. a big relief. It is. Very much so. Well, good. I uh, yeah, Happy for you guys. Can't wait to see how the old... I, I'm fascinated by the process of this as much as the actual <laughs> yeah, content. So As am I. I'm <laughs> uh, very, very excited to see it. Uh, by the way, that is your show Outlook presented by Brent Wahlberg and the Wahlberg team, the official realtors of Grizz Athletics any and all real estate questions you might have uh, in Western Montana, give Britt and his team a call anytime. You want to stream the show, you can always use the ESPN MT app. You can also use our station website, 1029ESPN.com. And if you want to be a part of the show, uh, you always can call us or text us, 406-888-1029. I, uh, it's, it's so funny because as a kid... You just like what you like, and you don't really analyze why you like it, right? One of the ultimate sports questions I've had in my sporting fandom life has, especially since over the last ten years, we've learned so much of the unsavory side of Tiger Woods. Was why am I still so obsessed with this guy? And I start to analyze it. I'm like, I don't. I never really liked his personality. He's always been rather abrasive. Mm -hmm. Uh, But but you always gravitate towards him still and and for someone that loves sports but is not that much of a fan of any ind- independent person or team or entity or anything like that I always have been a huge Tiger Woods fan I've always been rooting for him to win mm-hmm. and I think part of it I settled upon was just that uh he you want to be be able to say you saw the greatest of all time right and he had so much prodigious potential that you just thought well this guy is going to get there and now here he is in his late 40s and and I don't know how we measure this sort of stuff, but uh, it, it's still up for debate if he has actually gotten there. But that transcendent time in his peak, unbelievable. So even though I've already read multiple books about Tiger Woods, I started reading uh, the Jeff Benedict, Armin Katea book, which I think came out early last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the one that the HBO documentary was kind of based off of. But the part I was on is a perfect uh, segue for us here at The Business Angle. It's all about when Tiger Woods... First was like becoming a national star. He wasn't an international superstar yet, but he just won his third straight U.S. amateur. He'd won the national championship at Stanford. Everybody's talking about this kid. Everybody's pulling at this kid. Everybody's thinking this kid could be a, a PGA Tour champion right now. But then his parents like, you should stay in school, whatever. The part i want is when they're negotiating the rights and the endorsements and stuff. And then he decides to go pro and then... The part I'm on, his agent and his dad get hammered on martinis before they go to the negotiation gotcha. meeting with Nike and they still somehow swing a $60 million deal. Yeah. And I'm just thinking to myself, that would be an unbelievable moment in terms of just endorsements, period, anytime. But you're talking 1996 for a 19 year old kid and he's getting $60 million. I mean, at this point, to put that in perspective, Michael Jordan was making like Five to $8 million a year from Nike, probably, I guess, 96, probably a little bit more, but still, he was uh-huh. the highest paid athlete on Nike's payroll, and he's a 19-year-old kid.
3: Yeah, and he hadn't even gone pro yet. He
2: hadn't even gone pro yeah. yet. Yeah. Why do you think it was that he was such a transcendently uh, marketable player well, I think, or athlete?
3: I think if you if you put yourself in that moment, like, yeah, that is a big swing by Nike, and you also have to sort of look back at that kind of if it is true that, you know, the agent in Earl Woods got sloshed on martinis before the meeting. I mean, it's kind of uh, prescient of the or, 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 you know, correlates with the brashness that Tiger Woods played with and apparently the brashness he lived his life outside, off, off the golf course. But that moment. You know, it, it was a huge risk, high return kind of play, totally. right? $60 million, but you look at it, if you're trying to compare it to Michael Jordan, it's like, it's an individual sport, right? right? You can, it's easier to build stories around an individual player. That's right. Uh, it's a player that looks different and has a different background than most of the other players uh, uh, on the tour at the moment. Um, he plays differently. He looks like when he strikes the ball, it looks different. Totally, It's hard to explain, but if you've ever watched Michael Jordan play basketball, which probably everybody listening has, he just moves differently than That's any right. other player right. before and any other player since. And the same thing, I think, occurs with Tiger Woods. You tune in, whether you like golf or not, because you might see something that the world has never seen before anytime he picks up a club. And that brings in so many people. And then you attach that spectacular ability to all the storytelling you can layer on top of it. Just a uniquely powerful force in marketing.
2: For sure. And then it's also uh, the fact that golf, you can go, uh, the average guy can go play it too, right? You yeah. see Tiger Woods, you're like, that's awesome. I'm going to go play totally. golf. And then you can go buy your Nike golf stuff and it's a perfect endorsement uh, hook, right? Anybody that plays golf can probably, like anybody that plays it enough can
3: think they have a reasonable shot at making a hole-in-one on a par three someday in their life, right? Right, right. Probably won't happen. But every time you come up to that ball, you think, there's a shot here. For most people that play pickup basketball, there is no shot they're ever going to dunk a basketball.
2: Right. Right? Right. Especially like Michael Jordan.
3: (laughs) Yeah, leave that aside. But like, even a dunk is just this unfathomable skill that, that nobody can identify with.
2: Yeah, it, it's such a good point. Justin Angle in studio, the business angle, the first one for 2023, the overlay between business and sports. The other part of this that I'm on is is this is when he's first starting to get full media exposure. Yeah. He had been such under the thumb of his father, and then he, he basically he wins the Masters, and he says, okay, Dad, I love Course you. Course record, going away. I been mean, going away. Yeah. That's the other crazy part. It's as Gary Smith says in his, his uh, famous Sports Illustrated article. He said, no one in the history of, of sport had become the most dominant person or player in that sport the day they went pro, let alone when they were 20, right? I mean, even Michael Jordan's a transcendent player. He yeah. didn't win a championship until he was 29, right? right? I mean, LeBron James didn't get his first ring until he was 28. He's in the league for 10 years.
3: Yeah, and the history of Augusta, right. You know, racial <laughs> dynamics, all of that stuff just coming in together at the right moment. I mean, to
2: just blow the doors off of it, it is totally crazy. But the, the two profiles that they highlighted there was that Gary Smith article, mm-hmm. which very much was sort of the... The the lead in to what became the saga of Earl Woods because th- th- so much of the story is about Earl Woods proclaiming yeah. that Tiger is not only the greatest going to be the greatest athlete of all time but this young man's going to change the world he's going to be the next Gandhi he's going to be the next Dalai Lama or Nelson sure. Mandela which was a just insane level of pressure to put on uh, a young man but then the other one is right when Tiger Woods had sort of t- t- taken advantage of his own decision making and Charlie Pierce did a profile on him for GQ. And Pierce basically writes the entire article all about the photo shoot with Tiger and these five women models. Yeah. It's so unbelievable in so many different ways. So well written, such a sharp and poignant picture of Tiger. But also, I couldn't get over all the stuff that they quoted Tiger on that if you were quoting athletes on that now, everybody in the in the room would be canceled, right? Yeah, the exactly. writer, the magazine, nope. the athlete, everything is it. And I couldn't help but think, man, that's crazy how much w- the world has changed in just 25 years.
3: Yeah, and he came up before social media. He came up at a very kind of, at a, at a time where he could have a private life that was distinct from his public persona and not everybody had a camera in their pocket at any moment. And you think about that. You give a 19-year-old, no matter how poised and well-educated and well-raised, $60 million. Man. When he's on a tour as an individual, hanging around with guys that don't have to take great care of themselves to perform on the golf course generally. I mean, Tiger, in many ways, revolutionized that by bringing fitness and athleticism to the sport. Um but yeah, I mean, to, to create a scenario in which you feel invincible and feel like you can do anything you want to do. I mean, this is like a textbook recipe.
0: It is
2: a fascinating book. If you haven't read it, if you haven't read it, I would suggest, uh, any out there or Justin that you should, you should definitely read it because it has every element, right? It has parenting and nature versus nurture and what it's like to raise a prodigy, what it's like to be a prodigy. And, uh, It's amazing because he handled it. It actually, for the scenarios that surrounded Tiger Woods, he actually handled it unbelievably well. The fact that it didn't explode on him until he was in his forties is pretty crazy.
3: Yeah, I mean, when you say handled it pretty well, you got to set aside (laughs) some of the personal behavior, (laughs) totally, totally. totally, The fact that he was a scoundrel, totally. But um, as far as athletic performance, he handled it exceedingly well. And, and hit that compulsion to perform on the golf course and to practice, you know, that compor- uh, that compulsion to just be, a winner at all levels i mean in many ways you could argue it led to the destruction of his body you know he got totally. obsessed with the the special forces and all of that and he just the body can only take so much and he's broken down he was so powerful that he kind of destroyed his body it's
2: true it's true he, I, he didn't he wasn't able to have like jack nicholas won his last masters when he was 46 or 47 and because he had such an elegant smooth yeah. swing right yeah. tiger tiger was past his prime in his mid-30s because he like you said he swung so hard and he just played he just so break hard. break his knee break his hip his yeah. back all of it unbelievable uh you want to check out that book jeff benedict arman kate a really yeah. good one it's just called tiger woods um into some of the stuff that we've been talking about all through last year into right now and, and now that we are into 2023 they had their top ratings for all of the things that were on television this last year and I guess from our perspective, probably not unexpected that the top 10 viewed events on television this last year were NFL games. So that was one of our themes of 2022. The NFL never stops winning. And uh, despite all of the stuff that's gone on in the last year or whatever it still is the the number one draw on television. It is in the world of professional sports
3: it is still the NFL and everybody else. And that that statistic is just so striking that or that top 10 list like the top 10 most watched sporting events of right. the year 2022 were all NFL games and a mix of, you know, the Super Bowl and playoff games, but also the Thanksgiving games and some other just key matchups during the week. Uh, It just goes to show you that the NFL has such a stranglehold on, you know, our share share of attention when it comes to professional sports.
2: It is is fascinating, too, that uh, now it seems as if the fervor around it continues to increase no matter what, because we've seen – over the last couple months, a couple really horrific injuries, specifically to Tua Tagovailoa and his uh, saga with his head injuries. And then, of course, on Monday Night Football, the injury that shook the whole world, and it's the only thing that's been being talked about when DeMar Hamlin suffered what looked like cardiac arrest and had to be taken off the field. It's crazy to me, though, that even things like that don't seem to be deterring the fervor for the NFL. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's too early with Hamlin. Totally. To tell. Totally. Uh,
3: I mean, I think that is an event of a different sort. We can come to that, back to that and in, in in a moment. The, the Tua case with concussions, like those, aren't necessarily new, right? Like we've been right. told by the NFL that they've developed stricter protocols and and hard, or, you know um, more appropriate screening mechanisms to determine if a player can be back on the field or not. And, and it is a scandal that you know if those protocols were violated and it appears they were that that is a scandal but you know the fact that the player is able to go out and kind of continue to perform um dulls that scandal a little bit the players want to play too this situation with hamlin i mean I, i don't recall seeing something like that The only thing I've ever seen that was kind of like that was when Hank Gathers passed away, like a Marymount basketball player. Had had a
2: heart attack.
0: Yeah. Or
3: some some sort of cardiac episode. Yeah, Yeah. And even then, you didn't quite, it didn't quite, it was a smaller game, a smaller arena. This was central stage on Monday Night Football. And, you know, I was watching it you know, with a with a concern for what was happening with the athlete, but also wondering, like, what is the optimal way for the NFL, the teams, and the media to kind of handle a moment like this? Like, we're right. seeing, it is news, it's sure, unfolding, right. Uh you've got a big audience, they want information, but you also want to be respectful of the individual and not, you know, dramatize what could be a tragedy or unfolding on national television. So, you know, I wonder, from your perspective as a journalist, like, what is the right way to cover that,
2: I thought about this. The business angles presented by Blackfoot Communications. You're listening to Nuana's now here on ESPN Radio. Appreciate Blackfoot for all of their uh, continued partnership with us here at Missoula Broadcasting Company. Uh, you can visit goblackfoot.com to help Blackfoot help you uh, connect to more. Um, I thought about this extensively because it is one of those seismic events where. First of all, it's is a huge game. Bills, Bengals, both teams already in the playoffs, both teams fighting for division championships. Yeah. You got multiple I mean, you got two of the star quarterbacks in the NFL. So there's already a lot of eyes on. It's also, you know, the Monday after a long weekend, after a long holiday, so a lot of people probably just chilling, lounging, middle of the winter. All of the things were already pointing towards a lot of eyes. But it was one of those events where if you're not watching Monday Night Football, you should turn on Monday Night Football right now. Yeah. Even if you're not a sports fan, people are texting each other, holy cow, something went on. We didn't see what happened. Well, what's going to happen? So from a full-on content perspective, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, well, they got to keep it on ESPN because the, the nation is captivated by this at this yeah. exact moment. Yeah. Well, on the other hand, though, I thought like, this could be a moment where this this young man is, is dying. Yeah, very and, well could have died I, right I, there. And I thought... First of all, how hard that would have been to been Adam Schefter and Susie colber and and Booker McFarland in the studio, and they kept cutting to him. yeah, and and if you don't have an update, what do you say? All you can say is, "I really hope this young man doesn't die. That's <laughs> all you can say. Mm-hmm. And so I thought just from a, a content perspective, I thought they should have put like an auto a news ticker on there and then cut back if they had updates. And then gone to some sort of alternative programming. Yeah. Because I thought it was really tough position to put the reporters and the journalists in. Because, again, I don't, I don't know what else you'd say. And it seems like some of this, you know,
3: post hoc reporting about, you know, whether the NFL was thinking about restarting the game or not. I mean, yeah, that's interesting information. I, I, I don't think given what was happening in that moment, like. It's not unreasonable for people to ask, like, is this game going to start again? And what, and to game out those scenarios, and if, if an organization is having, you know, live decision-making, I think that range of options had to have been considered. And ultimately, they made the right call. Sure. Um, whether or not they sort of momentarily thought about restarting it, I, I I don't think they can be blasted for that to the extent they have been.
2: Well, and, and that's the thing is that I know I'm in the minority on this. So I'm not trying to be insensitive to DeMar Hamlin or anything that happened within that game and the shock that the players experienced, because it certainly was very obvious and yeah. very authentic that they were all very shocked by this and, and very traumatized, even potentially by this. But catastrophic injuries, life-changing injuries happen in the NFL in pretty much every single game, every single weekend. This one was just a very specific one that then resulted in such crazy visuals, I think, for everybody, right? I mean, CPR and the AED and the needles in the arm and the, you know, the the ambulance coming on the field, those are all, like, very obviously symbolically serious uh, indicators of what's going on. But, like, Teron Johnson, who plays for the Buffalo Bills, who's a Weaver State alum, he suffered a significant head-slash-neck injury in this same game, literally moments before this happened. Yeah. And he was carted off the field, but it wasn't an ambulance. He wasn't rushed to the hospital. But he's certainly messed up, and that's certainly going to affect his life in the short and long mm-hmm. term. No matter, I don't know how serious it really is, but it's it certainly something serious enough that's going to affect him in I, the long term. And that's, that's why I was like, okay... It's just an interesting precedent. I totally understand the shock that came from that situation, but also I agree with you, it's not an illegitimate question to ask if you I mean, there's never been, to my knowledge, a game that was postponed or or, or cancelled in the midst of it because of an injury right, ever. Right. And so you know, it's I, I, again, I'm not trying to demean the seriousness of this, but there are serious injuries that happen in the NFL all the time.
3: So, you know, one other thought here, you know, you kind of couch this in the framework of, you know, how does this compare to the situation with, with Tua and the head injury? I, I think one thing that stands out here is this is a different sort of um, health problem. Right. right. Like seeing athletes collapse from heart attacks, that's not in the normal course of what we expect to see in sports. Totally. You know. A Joe Theismann compound fracture, that's grisly and hard to watch. A Tim Crumrise snapping leg in the Super Bowl. Totally. Really hard to watch, but like, you see it and you're like, that's unusual, but not a shock.
2: Right, totally.
3: Whereas a player like literally kind of drops dead, right. that is out of the normal course of expectation for any of the viewers, any of the players any of these people. So I think there is this like, whoa, this is a truly unprecedented situation. Totally. And to your question about how this will affect, if it will affect the NFL's viability, I mean, it it depends. Like if it turns out that sudden cardiac arrest is tied, is a specific risk factor to playing football, maybe there's a story there, but it could have just been a random thing.
2: Yeah. And I, I think that too, the thing that was, well, twofold, there's been two things about this that have been frustrating to me. The then subsequent exploitation of this young man. Yeah. It's been the only thing that's been talked about on sports radio and on sports television for, for days. Yeah. And again, I totally understand the newsworthiness of this, but I also don't necessarily know if you need to have a whole team of reporters that you're cutting to every 15 minutes yeah. all the time you know what i mean like the update's going to be the update but that's the consequence of having it front and center monday night football yeah, with all those right. eyeballs there like all those people are curious they want to know yeah it's true i also think though it just re to me what i've long already believed and that is that there's despite the nfl being the most popular sport in america there's a full disconnect between the majority of NFL fans and what NFL football actually is. Yeah. Yeah. It's an incredibly violent blood sport Ooh, that, yeah. that, I mean, it, it, it is second to only maybe the UFC in terms of its just total violence. But because there's the event of it and the tailgating and the communal aspect and the fandom and the hot dogs and the beers and the champs and the jerseys and the face paint and all this stuff, it's been sort of uh, softened in the way that it's delivered. I, I was thinking about this this morning. You, you might you have you have children. You, mm-hmm. you might take your children to an NFL game. Yeah, you'd probably not take your children to the MGM Grand to watch a no, heavyweight I would not. title. I would not. Bout no. right, but the, the disproportionality of the violence between the two is not actually that mm-hmm. much. We've normalized to it, and, and yeah. that's I, that. I think is the part that was the most striking to me is that it took. A young man collapsing on the middle of the field and having a near death experience for people to realize, oh my gosh, this is hardcore. Yeah, I, I thought it was striking.
3: Yeah, it really is. It's one of those those images that you know people will remember that moment where they were and, and the circumstances under which they were watching.
2: No one is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, except for not today. We are. Uh, we be back on SWX tomorrow, and then we'll be uh, always on the ESPN MT app if you want to see our shining, pretty faces. Uh, Justin Angle in studio, The Business Angle, presented by Blackfoot Communications. Uh, one last thought for you. Uh, the early signing period opened a couple weeks ago for college football, mm-hmm. and so now you're seeing all the, the rollouts of all the big programs saying all the things that they're touting, and you see recruits going on visits. I saw the other day a recruit tweeting a video of a visit to Miami and uh, at the university of miami now they have this whole training center with uh, you know recovery facility some oxygen all these sure. different things but they have a whole bureau for brand development mm-hmm. for the athletes yeah <laughs> and i just I, first of all if, if miami's got it then everybody either has got it or they're going to get it but then i also kept wondering to myself what's like the the breaking point for the homogenization of this right like if if every d1 university has 400 student athletes and they all have the opportunity to go to this brand development. Yeah then at what point does the brand development not matter because just everybody has it so then how do you make your brands down i don't know it just Uh, seems sort of trite to me
3: i mean you could ask the same thing about sport in general right players come in they do the same drills they do the same conditioning exercises and the cream rises to the top in many ways and so what we'll see you know these these the, the, the institutions need to build out these brand development centers i mean it's given that NIL is name image and likeness is now a part of the sport you it it makes sense that you need you could recruit on that basis like we will help you develop these skills to right. monetize your personal brand right so that makes sense i mean say what you want about whether that's the way it should be it is the way it is and so you can't fault schools for developing that now it's the the question of whether it has value or not i don't think it necessarily dilutes it because it gives Presumably it gives students, student athletes, like a range of skills and considerations Mm -hmm. to think about when when developing a personal footprint in the marketplace. Some students will do that well, some won't. So I look at it like any other kind of piece of educational content. The place where I think it might provide benefits that we're not really talking about is I'm hopeful that these sorts of places or centers have some financial education as well. Right. How do we prepare these young people for the amount of money that they're going to be exposed to and acquire? How do we teach them the the value of compound interest and so forth and managing money and commissions, like all these different things, because you hear over and over and over again, and we heard, you know, we talked a little bit about it with Tiger Woods and his $60 million deal at 19, like. There's a tremendous amount of responsibility and weight that comes with that kind of financial presence. And hopefully these institutions can you know, develop systems to help those student athletes deal with it better.
2: Well, that's exactly what leads me to then my last thing. I've, I've heard now there's a couple different D1 institutions that have hired basically third party scouting firms to scour the country for talent, particularly when it comes to potential transfers. Yeah, I think you see that when you see a guy hit the portal and then he's committed somewhere else in the next two days. It's because he's already been scouted, and then all of a sudden, certain schools were alerted, and then boom—you know, like Montana State's kicker Blake Lesnar. Boom, he's going to UCLA like that. You wonder how much of that was already brokered, but then I couldn't help but wonder, what's the future? Because something like this. It's becoming this gigantic financial monster, yeah. and we can't have that sort of gigantic financial monster without regulation. And I don't know if the NCAA or any other college-related entity has the ability to govern this. Well, we don't know. I we think don't know. Right? I think they have to try. And this, you know, we've
3: talked continuously in this segment about the decline in the relevance and the power of the NCAA. Right. This is an opportunity for maybe them to, to do something relevant and beneficial to the institutions and the athletes that could, could help them maintain some of the power. There's an opportunity for quality regulation here, whether or not they can pull it off. Uh, I don't know.
2: That would be a fascinating subject, and I'm sure we'll get to it sometime in the next year or two, because there's going to be some huge six- and even seven-figure sums Absolutely. handed out for NIL deals and Transfer Portal mm-hmm. deals. If you go to the Transfer Portal and then you get $5 million to transfer to a different school, I would love to know like the tax ramifications of that. <laughs> Who knows, right? right. Like, is that like a prize? Is it like winning the lottery? Are you in a tax bracket because that's earned income? Sure, I'm sure it's compensation. Do you have to pay and the tax in Florida or California? Like, uh, yep. Man, you could do a whole and tax class on that. And how is it structured? That. What's guaranteed?
3: All of that. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Yeah, all kinds of implications. Well,
2: we're happy we have you to at least help uh, explain it to us. We will keep talking about... Many of these same subjects, but uh, good conversation today, man. Thanks yeah, for being thanks, here. thanks, brother. The Business Angle with Justin Angle, a couple times a month here on Nuana's Now. It's presented by Blackfoot Communications. Let Blackfoot Communications help you connect to more. High school basketball season in full swing. So is college skiing season. Those two sports highlight our Treasure State stars. The best of the best in the state of Montana. Next, keep it right here. Nuwad is Now, ESPN Radio. College Athletics is a fundamental part of the fabric of our communities in Montana, and it's the stories of these young men and women that drive our passion at Skyline Sports. Colter Nuwana is here. In 2015, my brother Brooks and I founded SkylineSportsMT.com. As a lifelong athlete, Brooks has an elite knowledge of football with a deep perspective with his time spent playing safety for the Montana Grizz football team, while I won a collection of sports writing awards, including 2010 Washington Sports Writer of the Year during my time in newspapers. Together, we can offer you the best sports journalism in the state with crisp writing, unbiased reporting, cutting-edge photography, and a grassroots feel that belies the corporate takeover of modern media this day and age. As Montana natives, we have a deep historical knowledge of the fiercest rivalry in the West, we share a combined 22 years experience involved in the Big Sky Conference. That experience gives us unparalleled knowledge of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics. If you'd like to experience this with us, visit SkylineSportsMT.com and subscribe for only $8 a month or $90 a year. SkylineSportsMT.com. Every day, every season. One, two, three. is now on ESPN Radio. Underrated, man. I don't know why Black Sabbath doesn't get more shake when it comes to the influence in music. It's funny because, I don't know, I mean, I know Ozzy Osbourne has always been out there. <laughs> and then they kind of got a character, he became a caricature of himself with the, the Osbournes, the show. But still, Black Sabbath rips, man. Love me some Black Sabbath. We're going like old school metal influences today. It's just that kind of day. Welcome back. New Now, ESPN Radio, as well as uh, the ESPN MT app, most days SWX Montana Television, but not on the uh, stream or the uh, the television screen today. We'll be back at it, uh, probably, likely, hopefully tomorrow. Time now for our Treasure State Stars, presented by Parkside Credit Union. Parkside Credit Union, great place in Western Montana to get a loan because Parkside Credit Union loves to say yes. Best individual performances from around the state of Montana by Montanans. Number one, Tildy Bangman. I hope I'm saying that correctly. A freshman on the Montana State Nordic ski team. It's sort of easy to forget because there's only about, oh, I don't know, probably three dozen, give or take, Division One ski teams uh, in the country. A lot of times, the Montana State ski teams don't get as much shake. And the Grizz don't have a ski team. Most of the Big Sky doesn't have a ski team. So they compete in sort of a a different affiliation, but it's big-time skiing, and, I mean, Bozeman's a big-time ski town, so it makes sense that Montana State's really good. But Bangman, who's a freshman there at MSU, she was the runner-up in the women's classic sprints at the Rocky Mountain Intercollegiate Ski Association Nordic Qualifier yesterday morning. The race was held in conjunction with the United States Cross-Country Ski Championships, hosted by Michigan Tech, uh, said... MSU Nordic head coach Adam St. Pierre. It's not every day you get to celebrate a podium performance at the U.S. National Championships, so we are incredibly excited for Tilde. So very uh, impressive uh, performance and uh, second in the nation, uh, no joke. This was part of, like I said, the U.S. cross-country ski championships, but Nordic season carries on, and there'll be uh, several more events coming up before the winter is over. So uh, anytime there is any of national or noteworthy repute, we will uh, definitely... Let you know. Treasure State star number two, Chase McNulty of the Hellgate Boys basketball team. He scored 11 of his 17 points in the first quarter as uh, Hellgate beat Great Falls High 63-53 to earlier this week. Hellgate, once again, very, very good. And I think they'll uh, have an opportunity to again be a contender uh, in the AA ranks. And uh, maybe even one of the favorites in the Western AA and in the Class AA uh, in general. Um... Always fun. Covered high school hoops, and Hellgate is one of the most consistent programs, certainly, uh, in the state of Montana. Treasure State star number three, Trig Mapes. He scored 19 points for Great Falls CMR, and he also hit the game-winning shot with 2.6 seconds left to play, and that helped the wrestlers rally from a seven-point deficit entering the fourth quarter for a 1.57-56 win over Missoula Big Sky. So Trig Maps, or or Mapes, excuse me, are uh, Treasure State star number three. The next several are some of the high scorers from over the last uh, four or five days, week or so, uh, since the kids got back in action after break. Number four, Michael Murphy of Glendive. He scored 29 points to lead an 88-point outburst by Glendive over Sydney. So that's an impressive scoring line. Treasure State star number five, Royce Robinson of Lewistown. Uh, He had 34 points, which is the highest of 2023 so far uh, this calendar year. And Lewistown, after their uh, state championship in football, they were the runner-up in basketball last year. They lost on that crazy uh, step-back three-point buzzer beater by Dougie Peoples of Butte Central. So um, Lewistown's got a great group of of boys athletes right now. So to go runner-up last year in hoops – Football state champions, and now the number one team in Class A in hoops again. They look like uh, the dominant favorite to win Class A again. And Royce Robinson, a big part of that. 34 points. That's the highest of 2023 so far. Thursday star, number six. How about some ladies that can fill it up? Emma Tim of Laurel. She scored 29 points to lead Laurel past the Lewistown girls uh, on Tuesday. And then the highest uh, girls total so far in 2023 Claire Buckland of Sunburst. Almost Canada, but not quite. 30 points for Claire Buckland in a win over Valier. And uh, Royce Robinson, Claire Buckland, the only two 30-point-plus games since the Christmas slash New Year's holiday. That's a lot in, uh, in eight-minute quarters, just a 32-minute game. 30 points is a ton in Montana high school basketball, especially since there's a jack-lock now. And finally... A, uh, a little personal note for our Treasure State star, uh, number eight, our dear friend Alex Eschelman. She announced a couple days ago that she was leaving SWX Montana Television, but she announced, I guess the Big Sky Conference announced today, that Alex Escherman will t- be taking over for our other great friend, Mary Lou Cook, as uh, the director of digital and uh, media content for the Big Sky Conference. So uh, Alex will be leaving Bozeman, she'll be leaving SWX, but she'll still be be a part of the big sky conference umbrella, and uh, she'll still be able to go uh, work hand in hand with us uh, here at ESPN radio. So Alex has done a great job with us here uh, with her various contributions over the last couple of years, joining us on the Montana state minute from time to time, and also giving us insight on all Southwest Montana sports, particularly Montana state athletics, but also uh, the high school realm as well. And she's done a great job for us and with our partners at SWX Montana television. And, uh, so do a great job in her new role at the Big Sky Conference as well. So congratulations uh, to Alex. The uh, the official news of her joining the Big Sky Conference digital uh, team uh, to head it up uh, just was announced today. So uh, cool for her, big news for her, and uh, she won't be going too far. She'll still be a visible person uh, throughout the state of Montana and uh, throughout the Big Sky Conference. That's your Treasure State Stars, first one of 2023. It's presented by Parkside Credit Union. Parkside Credit Union, a great place in western Montana to get a loan because Parkside Credit Union loves to say yes. Speaking of the Montana State Minute, Keaton Gologly, voice of the Montana State Bobcats, So get us all caught up with what's been going down with MSU men's basketball. That is next. Keep it right here. Montana State Minute on Nuon is Now coming at you. It's ESPN Radio.
1: Oh! New on is now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Television.
2: When I was like 10 years old, I used to sit in my room or in my basement and organize my baseball cards. And I would also incessantly call one of the radio stations uh, here in Missoula. And request Led Zeppelin songs. Just every day, day after day after day. I used to always call into Craig and Al. And then someday down the road, uh, you know, some 15, 20 years later, look at me. Ended up working with the, the legendary Craig Johnson. Life comes full circle. Welcome back, New On is Now, ESPN Radio, as well as the ESPN MT app. Epic Monday is happening at Lost Trail every Monday through February twenty-seventh. Epic Monday means you get to ski for a full day at half price. Less people on the slopes and same great conditions. Good every Monday until uh, the February 27th, except for Martin Luther King Day, which is a couple Mondays from now, as well as President's Day. But other than that, every Monday is good to go. You're also going to get a dollar off all draft beers and kombuchas. So this is a pretty dang good deal. Find all the details at LostTrail.com. Lost Trail open Thursday through Monday 9 until 4.30, lost trail. Go for the snow. Uh, Time now for our Montana State Minute. We are efforting Keaton Gologli, the uh, voice of the Montana State Bobcats. Uh, He will give us some thoughts on uh, MSU football, as uh, well as MSU basketball. The the men's basketball team is... uh, In Greeley, Colorado. And uh, they actually have a 6 p.m. tip. And uh, the MSU women, they host Northern Colorado tonight in Bozeman. On the uh, flip side of that, the Lady Grizz are home here in Missoula. And then the uh, against Northern Arizona and the Men Grizz are in Flagstaff. So first conference road trip for the uh, men's hoops teams from the Treasure State. Go to the Raggish Pros, Army Foldline. Welcome in, Keaton Galogly, the voice of the Montana State Bobcats. Happy New Year, man. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing good, man. Ready to be on the road and traveling around the Big Sky. Well, you are uh, certainly already. Uh into full travel mode. Montana state's men's basketball team has played what two division one home games. So far this year, it's been few and far between in terms of D one opponents in Bozeman. So, uh, we haven't talked to you in a little while. Just catch people up. I know that we, uh, we'll get to the, the last weekend, the, the opener for conference play, but what'd you think overall, of the Bobcats in the non-conference,
1: you know, they played a really difficult schedule. I mean, really, really difficult. Danny sprinkle has been telling us, he thinks that's uh, probably the most difficult schedule that's been played in program history. And, uh, you know they they took a, they took a few lumps but they just kept getting better you know uh they they went to Oregon and they they probably hung with Oregon for i don't know maybe the first 15 minutes of that game or so but that was early early in the year when guys were still getting used to things and the point guards the new guys Darius Brown and Robert Ford were still getting healthy and getting to know the system a little bit and lo and behold they go back to another Pac-12 opponent at the end of the non-conference against Arizona they're right in that game for 35 minutes I mean that was a physical bruising game the cats were right on in and they played some other really good non uh uh, mid-major opponents as well but I think the big turning point was actually at the Southern Utah game when Darrell Bello had been ejected for one of the more gentle flagrants you'll see, and Raquan Battle made a great defensive play to win that game. So, yeah, no, they definitely continued to get better throughout that non-conference season, and now here we are, and uh, this is where the rubber meets the road. Now the conference play is here.
2: Well, you mentioned those point guards. I thought that was going to be a huge uh, key for Montana State coming into this year because they've had such great point guard play for quite some time. I mean, Harold Frame was one of the best the big guys had in the last 10 years. And then Xavier Bishop steps in and and was outstanding. You know, first team All-League and the tournament MVP a year ago. Uh, so, d- just break down those two guys you just mentioned. I mean, Darius Brown, who comes in as a transfer from Cal State Northridge, and and Robert Ford, who comes in as a transfer from Idaho State. How have those guys done, just uh, running the show and-, and sort of being the focal points, or I guess the trigger man of the offense. Yeah, let's uh, let's
1: start with Robert Ford. He's the guy who's been playing as the, the kind of the backup to uh, to Darius Brown, and he was a guy who was a little banged up in the, uh, the offseason, so it took him a little while to kind of get healthy and get going again and uh, and was, again, just a little banged up. So it took him some time to kind of get the feel, but once uh, once Montana State had gotten home after the, uh, the long road trip out to Canada and southern Utah, we kind of saw a, a light switch on for him. I mean, he just, for whatever reason, kind of started to find it a little bit. He had more energy, specifically on the defensive end, and just, all of a sudden was just absolutely clicking. So, you know, he's not a huge guy, he's not a big guy, but he can score the ball a little bit here. And he's just, he, he's so elusive defensively. And, and I mean that in terms of just like the fact that all of a sudden, bam, he's just there helping down on the big, or, you know, he's a guy who's able to just sneak his hand in there and tip that ball away. Like, he really has made uh, some pretty impressive defensive plays, in my opinion, especially over the last, Uh, month or so, but Darius Brown is the starter, a guy who's got two years of eligibility after transferring from CSUN, where uh, he ended up having a fracture of the bone like near his knee uh, in December of last year at uh, at CSUN in Northridge, so it took him a long time to get back and feel kind of normal again, and of course, learning a new system, but he has really, really come on. He's a smart player. I mean, I think one of the things that really sticks out is just kind of his maturity as somebody who played almost 100 games. At, uh, at Northridge, so you see that, a guy who's a steady hand, and a guy that they've tried to push to score just a little bit more here and there. You know, One of the few things that, that Danny has knocked Darius is just being a little too unselfish. They need him to be a little more selfish sometimes in, uh, in attacking the basket, and then kind of looking for his shot when the team needs it. And we did see that in the Eastern Washington game where he put up 18 points and knocked down some of the really big three-point field goals at the end of that game. So he's a guy who's continuing to get better, and it looks like you, know, you can really see him just being more comfortable as a leader, and you see it just in his body language and his demeanor and the way he hypes up his guys and the way he goes around with all the other players. So he's really coming along, and you know, you're going to have to have a good point guard play. You're going to have to have good guard play if you want to win a championship, and I think the Cats definitely have it.
2: Who on us now, ESPN Radio. This is the Montana State Minute, presented by J&V Restaurant Supply. J&V Restaurant Supply, your home for everything kitchen. any and all big parties, family gatherings, weddings. J&V's got you covered. Visit jvrestaurant.com. Keaton Gologli, the voice of the Montana State Bobcats, joining us. He's on the call on the Bobcat Radio Network in a little over an hour. Uh, here as Montana State preparing to play Northern Colorado. Uh, How about last weekend, Keaton? I mean, a pretty wire-to-wire dominant victory over Idaho, probably to be expected when you got the the defending champs going against a team that's picked to be toward the bottom of the league in the Vandals. Uh, But then Eastern Washington completed what I thought was one of the surprising weekends of conference play on either the men's or women's side by completing their sweep, of the Montana teams uh, by taking care of business against the Bobcats in Bozeman. What did you see in in that Eastern game? I was impressed with them on on Thursday in Missoula with how much size they have. How much did that impact the way the game played out, and what were sort of the keys that, that had Montana State come up short against the Eagles?
1: Yeah, you know, I think Eastern Washington really put the league on notice. You know, they said they're one of the best teams in the conference with uh, going on the road and winning two games in the Treasure State. You know, that's not easy, but I think some of the keys are are some of the basics. You know, sometimes it's funny because, you know, sometimes things will sound cliche, but it's just because it's true. You know, like they did the things that you have to do on the road to win, right? They made their free throws. They went 18 of 20 from the free throw line. Montana State went 6 of 13 in that game. Caps got out-rebounded by 11 in that ball game as well, including a couple of really key offensive rebounds at the very end of the game. Montana State, who really didn't totally play great in the first half, uh, you know, had a lead in the second half, and Eastern Washington was able to come back and kind of erase that very small lead multiple times when it looked like Montana State was about to take control, and they did it by knocking down threes off offensive rebounds. Now, a couple of those were some funky hops off a three-point field goal. You know how that goes. Some of those long rebounds off a three can be a little weird, but bottom line, Montana State did not come up with basketball when they needed to a couple of times down the stretch in that ball game. and you got to give credit to Steel Ventures. who had a big-time shot and a big-time moment. I mean, and Brian Freeby on the broadcast during that game even said it like, look, this, this game's going to come down to just somebody making a play. Like this game is now beyond the, the X's and O's. This is just about who wants it more, who's going to step up and make that play. And Eastern Washington had one more big play in that game. So I think it sets up an incredible matchup at the end of February when Montana State goes to Eastern Washington to end the regular season. And who knows what's going to be on the line for that, but it certainly makes this trip now to Northern Colorado tonight even more important for the Cats.
2: Well, I can't wait can't wait to ask you this question again in a month or so because I think you'll have more to talk about. But Jabril Bello remains uh, the sort of the centerpiece for the Bobcats and definitely one of the key centerpieces in the league. And I think that when he plays, to his highest level, he's the highest ceiling player in the Big Sky Conference. That's why he was the MVP a year ago. I think that he can become utterly unstoppable when he plays at his highest level. It's just a matter of getting him to that point on a consistent basis and uh, maybe not on his highest level uh, against the Eagles. Just eight points and uh, just just the uh, one rebound, which is a crazy number for a guy of his stature. But where are we at with Bello? I mean, what have you thought of him so far? Because, I mean, as you saw against Arizona, as you saw against Idaho, when he plays at a high level, he's pretty much impossible to stop.
1: Yeah, and, you know, it's been kind of a slow climb for him all year. I know he was battling a knee issue over the offseason that they got taken care of. So it's kind of one of those things where it was just a, a slow step to get back to where he is in that dominant force. And, you know, he wasn't really moving super smooth early in the season. He had a very, very quiet game, no points against Oregon, but then, of course, went off against Arizona and had a tremendous game down there. And I think when it comes to the Eastern Washington game, you know, I think you just got to give Eastern Washington some credit. Sometimes the best defense is just to deny a guy like, like you're, you're not always going to be able to stop Bello once he actually gets the ball in his hand. He went four for five from the field in that game against Eastern Washington. But at the same time, they just kept the ball out of his hands. Only five shots is not the amount of shots that you want. The other part for Bello is he can be as dominant as he wants, but Montana state's got to hit shots on the outside. And that's, one of the tough parts, I think, about relying on a big man, and obviously Montana State did it to its highest level last year, but one of the things that will always come up when your best player is in that front court is the perimeter guys have to hit shots, and that didn't happen in that Eastern Washington game, particularly from, uh, from Raquan Battle, who went 0 for 7 from the three point line in that game. So, you know, Montana State's got to continue to hit their three point field goals. They've got guys who can do it, but it's just been so up and down, and when those shots from around the perimeter are falling, that's when things really open for Jabril Bellow. And on top of that, when you think about Bellow, like, he does have some backup, right? So you don't have to ride him down into the ground when you've got great Osabor coming off the bench who can provide some really, really quality minutes. So I think that helps as well. And- Although maybe the stat line wasn't what he wanted in that Eastern Washington game, I think the Eagles did a really, really good job just getting in front and keeping the keeping that ball from actually getting into him time and again.
2: It's a great point. I mean, Eastern does play the sagging sort of zone elements of defense, and and they were able to front end, you know, play behind him as well. And, and it's such a great point too. Like Tyler Patterson hits four threes in the first half against Idaho, and all of a sudden Jabril Bello has a wide open lane and he can score 18 points. So uh, definitely yeah, interesting, but good analysis by you, Keaton Golobly joining us here uh, on the Montana State Minute. You no want us now, USPEN Radio. Uh, last thing for you then, man, you're down there uh, in Greeley. What's the scout tonight? What are we thinking about this game between Montana State and the Northern Colorado Bears?
1: Yeah, it's going to be a, a really, really impressive game as usual. I mean, all of these games the last couple of years have just been absolute instant classics. So, you know, it's going to come down to the little things. Eastern or Northern Colorado, rather, still has some terrific guard play. You know, Dylan, uh Dayland- Coons is still doing what he's doing, putting up 18 points per game, and Dalton Connect still doing what he's doing. Yeah, he put up 22 and 29 last week, but still Northern Colorado lost both of those games. They kind of let that that game against Idaho State slip through their fingers. So, you know, they're going to come out with an extra edge knowing that they lost those two games on the road. And uh, for Montana State, a couple of pieces of injury news. Pat McMahon is out today, so he's actually out for the whole weekend. He did not make the trip still waiting to hear exactly what's going down with McMahon, but he is out today and um, as well as Caleb Fuller is out today. Uh, potentially could play on Saturday at Northern Arizona, but a couple of guys are down from Montana State, so that'll hurt on the defensive side, but when it really comes down to it, you know, you need to see Raekwon battle, find his rhythm again, even though he had 13 points a game uh, over the last weekend in the, uh, in the Big Sky opening weekend, it still was kind of an inconsistent weekend for him, and he really wasn't his best self, I think, on the floor, so if he can get himself going again and some of these other three-point field goals start falling, that opens it up for Jabril Bello and we all know Montana State can beat anybody anytime when things are clicking like that.
2: He's Keaton Globally, voice of the Montana State Bobcats. You can find all his great calls on the Bobcat Radio Network across the state of Montana. You can also find all of them streamed on the Varsity Network as well. Keaton, thanks for being here, man. Hey, you bet. I'm going to go get ready to go and start talking some more basketball the rest of the night. See you, man. Montes A Minute presented by JNV Restaurant Supply. JNV Restaurant Supply, your home for everything kitchen. If you can't get into one of their three locations in Bozeman, Billings, and Great Falls, visit JVRestaurant.com. Hour one in the books, hour two coming at you. NFL betting lines. What are some of the best numbers going into the final weekend of the regular season? That's next. Keep it right here. No one is now ESPN Radio. You deserve an advocate. The advocates will deal with the insurance company and defer medical bills, so all you need to do is rest and get better. The advocates will handle the overwhelming legal stress of your accident because you didn't deserve to be in an accident. Chat directly with a local attorney online at MontanaAdvocates.com.